So you know what I did for the first time in a long time last week? Uh, I am going to take a bet and say you saw a movie in a theater for the first time in a long time. Uh, no, that I've oh. been doing semi-sporadically since since last summer. No, no, no. Okay, okay, okay. Last week, I did three concerts in one week. Oh, whoa. And, and you didn't get COVID? I know, right? And <laughs> between two years of not doing that, and my age now, I am realizing I think those days are behind me. Oh, man. <laughs> I was a little bit tired on Sunday. And when I say a little bit tired, I mean a lot more tired than I've been in a long time. One of my friends who came with me did happen to come down with COVID. So the fact that I dodged it, I'm beginning to think that I'm like friggin' Wolverine over here or something. Yeah, but, you might uh, be. Yeah, but uh, yeah, three concerts in one week. My, my days of that may be behind me. Welcome to wherever you are. My name is Ryan McNeil in Toronto, Canada. You are listening to episode 282 of the Matinee Cast. It's the movie-loving podcast of my movie-loving website, thematinee.ca. Your home for cinematic passion and perspective. There is a saying out there about the best laid plans of mice and men. I don't know how the saying goes, but I know there's a saying. It applies to this show, of course, because when you rely on the universe to keep the films coming and keep the guests healthy, the universe can be a fickle bitch. Sometimes it lets your cup runneth over with with one, but sometimes it's really, really skint with the other. But we press on, and we press on thanks to the friendship and charity of an old friend and uh, a dear neighbor. He's a man about town. He's uh, freshly out of the trauma ward. He's a sharp critic and a good man. Corey Atad is here. How are you, man? Uh, I'm feeling good. I'm good. feeling good. That's great. Stay <laughs> yes. your distance. We're doing this virtually. The irony did not pass me by that when you... Uh, when you invited me on, I was like, oh, is this going to be in person? And he said, yeah, no, like, no, doing it virtually. <laughs> and in my head, I was like, oh, what? And, yeah. then, and then, and then the next day, there it was. Smarter than the average bear sometimes. Um, out of respect for my guest and the time and the energy he's offering up, um, we're actually going to keep this episode. Well, I say brief, but it's us. So who knows? We are going to we'll skip. We'll yeah, see. exactly. We're going to skip Know Your Enemy. We're going to skip the other side today. We're going to stick to the straight goods, which is good because the straight goods this time is something fantastic. On episode 282, we are going to be discussing everything, everywhere, all at once. This is a life. Every Everything Everywhere All at Once is directed and written by the Daniels, Daniel Kwan and Daniel Scheinert. It's written by those two along with... No, it's just written by those two. It yes. stars it stars Michelle Yeoh, uh, Kewi Kwan, Stephanie Zhu, James Hong, and Jamie Lee Curtis. Everything Everywhere All at Once is about, well, exactly that. See, our fixed point in time is one where Evelyn Wang, that's Michelle Yeoh, is running a failing laundromat with her husband, Waymond. That's Kei Wee Kwan. They're struggling to keep their bond with their daughter, Joy, and they're also staving off an IRS auditor played by Jamie Lee Curtis. That's the constant. The variables involve a martial arts master, a top chef, a Hollywood star, and other alternate timelines that almost defy imagination. 
So how do we get from one to the other? Well, I'm glad you asked. You see, at the audit of their fledgling business, an alternate Wayman finds Evelyn Prime and tells her that all of existence is in peril, and it's all at the mercy of their daughter and her attempt to process her own overwhelming amount of emotion. In an everything bagel of frustration, pain, angst, garlic, and poppy seeds. No, really. So it goes that Evelyn will jump from timeline to timeline using every skill she can muster to stop her daughter from destroying the multiverse. Stories that flip timelines aren't exactly new. It's a concept that's been used by everything from H.G. Wells to Star Trek, featured everyone from Jake Gyllenhaal to Gwyneth Paltrow. It's a concept that can make a person go loopy pretty quick when one considers how many decisions they make in a day and how many alternate timelines that creates. Into this arena steps everything, everywhere, all at once. A story that is both familiar and so damned unique. So pop quiz hotshot. Is this movie exactly what one thinks it will be? Or is it not at all what anyone thinks it'll be? It's it's some of the things you'll think it will be and and a whole lot more. You know, it's funny because as you were describing it, I was I was kind of going like, "Oh my god. Is he is he giving away too much actually about the about the, the particularly about the emotional plot threads of the movie?" And then I was like, "Well, no because I, I don't think anything can prepare you for both the depth to which it goes in those in those areas and then also like the ways in which it gets there yeah <laughs> just like I so could... so so mad that it's that it's like it's the kind of thing it's the kind of movie that i i genuinely don't think you can spoil no because it's not about the act of watching it but but so much about the act of watching it informs like how you take in what happens in it um, that, that it's like, it's a lot. (laughs) It is. And I mean, I think that might be why this movie is not what it seems to be like on its surface. This is a parallel timeline movie or a Mm -hmm. multiverse movie, if you want to call it that. But in reality, it's a movie that wants you to, bear witness it's a movie that just wants you to sit with somebody who you may otherwise not really pay attention to who seems Mm. quite very who seems quite normal Mm -hmm. and and just you know quite every day but at the same time it's like there is so much more than every day contained in this person's soul um to say nothing of the way that she is refracted over time putting that aside like just sitting with these people who run this laundromat who are getting audited whose daughter is gay and is you know, trying to get her, her mother to accept that. Mm-hmm. It's just that alone is actually a charming little story before we get into what we get into. And yeah. that part, I think, is just that part is all of the delight to really keep you in this moment of love. And uh, but Ryan, I mean, you know, I know what you're trying to say. And that's true. And I agree yeah. with every word. And at the right. same time, this is also a movie with, you know, hot dog fingers and butt mm-hmm. plugs and uh, rakakui. So right. it's like. So what I just described is like, um, I just described like, uh, what, what's the French movie where she peels the potatoes? Jean Delman 23. Yes. Yes. I just described that. 
Yes. <laughs> you know, I just described like the drama in the everyday, which is not what this movie is. It is kind of like it is right that. in this right in the center, but there's an yeah. awful lot that goes around like around that center. The, the the metaphor of a circle is used in this movie a lot, and it's really really yeah. Quite a bit. Somebody somebody recently pointed out to me that there's you know there's the running theme of the uh, of the black uh, void of a bagel mm-hmm. uh, consuming the universe. And then the inverse of it is the Google eyes. Yeah. You know, googly eyes, but she keeps calling them Google eyes. Uh, and somebody pointed out to me that visually it's actually, they're the the, op, the exact inverse. Right. Uh, with like the white and then the black inside. I was like, ah, that's, that's that also, that must be intentional. That feels really, <laughs> it's a, every piece of the movie uh, kind of feels mm, kind of considered that way both in how to bring like caveat like i understand this is quite a intense movie in a lot of ways like just not like intense stylistic it's just like throwing stuff at you all the time a lot of it's very very goofy there are so not everyone's going to be into that but if you're into that it's all so considered in how to make everything both as goofy as possible and as maximalist as possible while also being as emotionally serious as possible and thoughtful as possible. Right. I don't totally understand how they did it. Oh no. I mean, I've, I've read sort of criticisms of the movie where I actually kind of agree with some of, some of those criticisms as like a, you know, if I take a 30,000 foot view of like particularly the last act, there's a way in which they feel the need to like, tie every little thing up uh and 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 do it in this really kind of protracted way that that just underlines every moment i understand first off why that wouldn't work for people i think it's a it's a genuine flaw in the movie in terms of like the pace the the kind of the way that it's paced and and it is quite a long movie mm-hmm. and and perhaps if it was if they could have solved that problem it might have been a shorter movie um at the same time i was just with it that entire time so throughout that whole last act that like even as i recognize that maybe it's a, sl- a bit imperfect a little bit too neat or whatever i was like a, a mess i was like an emotional wreck the whole time just crying my eyes out and just be like it, it's just like unbelievable but i will say i think that a movie like this allows for a certain level of imperfection because the imperfections are like frankly part of everything <laughs> You know what I mean? I do. I do. I, I, it's funny because listening to you say that, I'm actually struck now. It's something that I wasn't struck by when I was like preparing for this episode and certainly not when I sat down for the movie. I actually really believe this is the movie for these times. This is the movie for those of us who have just been a raw nerve, who are feeling everything, who are like, you know, like the anxiety is through the roof, the depression is through the roof, the stress, all of it, just two years into this, no end in sight. And at the same time, it's like, we want to process that and we want to see that and we want to embrace that and have that wrap its arms around us and say, it's okay. But at the same time, we want to see something nuts. You know, we don't want to just sit with more of this for two hours. We want it packaged with Kung Fu and hot dog fingers and rakakui and bagels that threaten to devoid existence. 
Um, yeah. You put those things together in literally an everything bagel type of a movie. I'm all, yeah. I've, by the way, I've never been a fan of everything bagels. I just want to say that right here. No, not a They not suck. A Although, well, pick I a mean, lane bagel. No, nope, nope. Well, no. Well, you can combine the flavors. There's all kinds of combinations. Well, okay. First off, first off, you're talking to a Jew here, so well, there's you, that. You got to have some respect. But yes. also, what I'll say about the everything bagel is it's it's got too much. Yes, but quite frankly, if it's the only bagel you got, it's not like you're complaining. Oh you no, know what I mean, right? You, yeah. You're complaining at the store. <laughs> Right, yeah. and you're like, why don't you have? But like, if you if you're somebody gives it to you, you're still like, man, this is a bagel. Yeah. It's got a whole bunch of flavors. I yeah. still like. It. I'll, I'll eat it. Yeah, yeah. that's fine. In, in the middle, um, it's fine. Yeah, just maybe scrape yeah. off the whatever seed you don't like. Well, um, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, on the surface, this movie should be deeply sad, and maybe even nihilistic. Like so many timelines, so little actual meaning to any one of this, and yet the movie is actually quite joyful. How does this movie preserve the joy? First of all, part of it is through just all that goofy humor. But I think this is something that um, Soraya Roberts, who wrote about the movie for Defector uh, just this past week, um, and I saw it with her, the movie with her, and she was very taken with it and surprised at how taken she was with it. Uh, because she didn't expect to like it going in. She saw the trailer and was like, this doesn't look like it'll be for me. Um, her her write-up on the movie connected it to a couple other things, including the, the other recent movie, After Yang, that has some similar themes in it. And particularly this idea of how we live in the current world. Now, partly that's a pandemic thing, but it's not just a pandemic thing. I think it's notable that in interviews... Um, Daniels, they actually don't even use the definite article. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they've talked about how they started writing it essentially like in the in the wake of, of Donald Trump's election. And it wasn't like a direct response to, oh no, Donald Trump is elected, as as like the kinds of crazy times we're living in. And particularly you go on the internet and you just it's just like this endless stream. And what they wanted to do was make a movie that reflected um both the manner in which we consume media now, as well as the kind of tumultuous lives that people lead and the difficulties of connecting with people within that. I just wanted to read a little bit from what Soraya wrote. Please. Um, While everything in the making of this film mattered, a theme throughout the film is that nothing matters, which actually has the unexpected effect of freeing you up to choose what you really want. For Michelle Yeoh's character, it's being with her daughter. In Daniel's conception of the world, the multiverse is what it means to be alive right now, but each individual story, like a returning chorus, vibrates within it. They just have to listen out for it. I thought that that was quite movingly put, but I think that that is the answer to the question that you're asking. Um, and it's the answer to the question, both in terms of like, how does the movie achieve its depth, but also how does it achieve its joy without, without being subsumed, subsumed into, into nihilism. It's because it's a movie about how amid all of this crap to, to find yourself and to find other people has a kind of joy and meaning. And that's where you find happiness and, mm-hmm. and, and grounding in the end, it's a simple idea right? Be kind to people, be generous, um, be kind to yourself. As I was telling another friend earlier today, 
some of the best works of art of ever made are about exactly that. Like you don't need to have like all these crazy philosophical ideas, which the movie also has, Yeah, you know, about, about not just the literal stuff about past universe or uh, alternate universes and things, but like all the regrets of life and, and how you can stew over those. And what does it mean to be, to, to get to witness those things and see what could have been and how does that affect your present? And, and, you know, your brain starts kind of going wild, right? But yeah, they attach such humanity to it. It's so great. You're right. Um, Soraya's right as well. I, I think for me, it preserves the joy in reminding us at really and truly, like in in a time where a lot of us don't have much. Like we have a lot, let's be honest. We have we have a lot and we probably have more than we need. But, you know, compared to the amount of consumption that's out in the world, the amount of very, very high privilege that is out in the world, most of us are just making do. Uh, certainly most of the people listening to this show. It really actually doesn't take a lot to give you that moment of warmth. You know, that's the thing. Like we see timelines where Evelyn is a Kung Fu master, where she is a Hollywood star, where she's a chef, where she's, you know, somebody who's living somewhere else, but looks very, very fashionable the way that another person in another movie looks very, very fashionable living somewhere else. And yet she has a simple life. She has reasonably low stress. She has a business of her own and she's got somebody who she cares for that slaps googly eyes on, on, everything because they make things look joyful it's like yeah. you know what at the end of the day that's actually that's not bad that you know like that that's like you really like you don't need much like we we're in this position where we want more and we think to ourselves man what would have happened if i'd gone to this school instead of this school what would have happened if i had said no to that boy instead of saying yes you know mm-hmm. like, like we, we are all like all of us have that fracture moment where it's like what if and it's like, you know what? You would have been a totally different person. Like, let's let's just put that flat out. Who you are would not be who you are. But you don't necessarily guarantee yourself happiness. So maybe what you have is enough, even if you're not a top chef or a kung fu master or have hot dog fingers. And and more importantly, you know, uh, you know, maybe certain opportunities are closed off at certain points or whatever, but the future is also unwritten. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, again, it, it's like these things sound trite, but they're they're not when presented that way because the idea that okay, well, maybe you weren't those things, maybe you won't even be those things in the future, but maybe you can be something that's closer to what it is that makes you actually happy, and you know that starts with yourself, it starts with the people around you, it starts with gestures. Mm-hmm. towards people i think it's so important that it's about connection with yeah. people like like it's both in an, an interior film about the things that people go through on the inside but it's also about the ways in which people connect to each other and it doesn't suggest that one is the solution to the other it's simply that you know both kind of have to be working in tandem right you have to be thinking about these things and feeling them and noticing them in yourself and noticing them in others it's it's really striking to me that it's a movie uh, did, did we give like a proper plot description? I'm trying to, I, I just wanted to. <laughs> as much as one can, buddy. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just trying to remember what you said at the beginning in terms of the actual setup of the film. 
yep. and her discovery. I think we get. I think we gave enough. I, I got to cut you off for a quick second. I got to tell you, I went into this movie knowing nothing. Oh my god! Not a damn thing. Had not seen a trailer. Had not read a oh, review. Wow. I sat down and I was really tired. I sat down. And I was like, I am dreaming. There is no I'm way I am seeing this. There is no way this is happening. Uh, yeah. <laughs> this. Wow. Um, that's. I can't even. I can't even imagine the because I saw the trailer and it's like, look, the, even the trailer didn't prepare me. But it's like, yeah. I, you know, you know, there, there's a bunch of running things in the film, including with a lot of very minor characters. Like, and again, this is what I was referring to earlier is like almost all of them get their moment in the sun at the mm-hmm. end, keeping it to, to the core family of, you know, her husband and her daughter. You know, let's start with the husband. You've got the husband who who's get, handing her divorce papers that she's not even looking at at first uh, until later in the film she realizes what she's been handed. The most interesting thing to me is not that he's giving her divorce papers. It's that there is a moment where he says, I forget exactly what he says, and then it's also indicated in some of the actions that he wasn't giving her divorce papers because he wants a divorce. He's giving her divorce papers because essentially their marriage has 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 kind of uh, started to to tear apart, mostly because she has been too preoccupied with a whole bunch of things that clearly for her have been a way of distracting herself from a lot of other from like regrets of in her life and all kinds of other things, and so he's handing her these divorce papers more to like wake her up. Yeah. So that maybe they'll have a conversation and then not get divorced, like <laughs> which is, which is you know on the one hand a little bit you know wild. On the other hand, that feels real to me in in the way that like that you get into these situations where you're so trapped in your own thing, and not only trapped but you've trapped yourself. You've like deliberately kind of created a world where you don't need to pay attention to other people. Yeah. And in the not paying attention to other people, you're losing that connection that's actually hurting you as well. And so the act of seeing another person and connecting with that other person, in this case, her husband, becomes a, a, a real source of healing. The same is true of her daughter, where, where you know, again, Evelyn's distracted herself in all these ways, and she's not able to see her daughter who is going through, like, I mean, literally suicidal depression. It's further compounded by the fact that that the daughter is gay, which to me was one of the more interesting elements of the film because it it wasn't treated as a matter of fact thing. Uh, part of the plot of the movie is that she kind of has to come out to her grandfather, yeah, or, or would or would like to essentially, and and Evelyn kind of doesn't want her to for fear that that the grandfather will have a heart attack or something. <laughs> You know, uh, or will reject will will reject Evelyn, or will reject Joy, or will reject them both. You know, like, like well, it's 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 the old it's the I old mean, worry. All kinds of. I mean, obviously, those are the the deep down worries. But I can yeah. tell you, I literally know people who have been told, like, oh, don't tell your your like grandmother who's like halfway out the door because it might give her a heart attack. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like literally, those are things that happen in people's lives. That's an obvious part of her daughter's emotional and and, and mental uh, struggles. Those aren't the only part of it, right? No, like, no. It's, it's fascinating to me that actually, to some degree, her 
her being gay and being able in the movie to have a girlfriend and all of that is actually one of the few things that is keeping her grounded. Mm -hmm. It's actually the rest of life that she's having a problem with. You know, the movie is basically a giant metaphor for her trying to reach out to her mother and her mother can't see it because she's so lost in her own thing. And you look at that and you go like, that's such a devastating idea, but also the beauty and understanding that like, oh, wow, all it takes at some point is putting all things aside and actually just having a human connection. Yeah. Why do I have to threaten to destroy all of existence to get your attention? Why do I have to do that? (laughs) You know, at the moment when her mother is finally reaching out, and, 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 you know, this really, I guess, would be spoilers, but, you know, I assume every, people please see the movie before now. But it's like at the moment when her mother is trying to reach out and she's kind of rejecting her mother, which is, again, very real in how, in how yeah. people in those situations often behave. But you also under, you, you can kind of see as a viewer, like the, the tension there isn't just in like, oh, is the world going to be destroyed? Oh, is something horrible going to happen to the daughter? It's is the daughter going to realize that her mother is being genuine at the, in this moment? Yeah. You know, because, and that's, and that's real, right? Like, he, yeah. Like, cause you don't know, you don't know, is she just doing this to placate me? Is she doing this to save something else? Whether it's her grandfather, whether it's her marriage, whether it's the multiverse, you know, is, the is, shame, is she the shame of having a daughter who did such a thing? You know? Yeah. I mean? Yeah. Is she doing, is she doing it for altruistic reasons or is she doing this for herself? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's incredible. And, you know, for as much as as I was saying that there's a, a simplicity to the to the basic message of the movie, I think the way that it illustrates those things is actually incredibly complicated and nuanced. I think that for as much, and actually this might be, I think, why though I agree that that elements of the last act are a bit extended in ways because of how they've structured it. Um there are still sort of these interesting ambiguities. The most, the most interesting of which is there's a running theme of, of Evelyn criticizing her daughter's weight. And at the end of the movie, she's still criticizing her daughter's weight. Now it's a little bit, it's a little bit of a joke, but yes, it's what parents do. And, and it's not like she's a perfect person. No, you know, it's not like, Oh, she suddenly learned to be kind and everything's like the most beautiful thing it's ever been. It's just like, Oh, the being kind allows you to make connections despite those things and maybe even to be better about those things eventually, maybe, hopefully. You bring up the like the core family at the center of this movie. And I know there's been talk over the last, like it feels like a decade now, but for, for quite some time about if they were to ever add an Oscar category, they should add one for casting. Um, because creating a perfect cast, it's not, it's, it's not just creating an all-star movie. It's not, it's not putting together Ocean's Eleven, much as I adore Ocean's Eleven. There will be no besmirching of Ocean's Eleven on this show. (laughs) Um, but it gets, it's more interesting when you get this hodgepodge of parts that all sing together so well, which you get at the core of this with Michelle Yeoh and Kay Wee Kwan and Stephanie Zhu. Um, James Hong kind of comes and goes. He doesn't have a whole lot oh, to but do. He's so great. But, oh yeah. I every time James Hong, I mean, James Hong, you could give him two minutes and you'll I make mean, it the just, best two minutes. Yeah. I, I, I'm just going to tell you James Hong, I ride or die. Like that guy's oh, yeah. a legend. Yeah. Okay. That guy has been in so many different movies and TV shows. Uh, we're talking about a guy who's like done everything, but up to and including appearing in 
a hardcore porn film, at least one, and <laughs> directing directing at least one softcore porn movie. So, like, we're really like this is a guy who's you know if he has lived to what movies are it's yeah. it's James Bond. Like, I mean, it's, we're, we're we're talking about him on back to back shows because we talked about Turning Red on the last show. So we've got you know yeah, it's, the, know. it's the James Bond double feature. That I would make it. the craziest double feature, by the way, is this movie back-to-back with Turning Red. Some very similar themes. A lot of them, um, yeah, they would work. Yeah. Um, I had not seen uh, Stephanie Sue in anything before. Uh, I am really, I don't really, think I had either. What, yeah. I, now that I think, what's she been in? She, she's, not uh, but she's fantastic. Much. Like, if you know, you look her up, it's 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 this. It's She was in a SpongeBob musical. I think she's a Broadway sure. uh, person. Yeah. Um, She's fantastic in this movie. She's, She's absolutely incredible in this movie. She, the, the real revelation, I think, for a lot of people uh, is obviously going to be Quan, um, because we haven't seen him in so long. Yeah. I think there's a bunch of things that the movie does with cast with the cast that are so emotionally overwhelming and beautiful one of them is obviously Michelle Yeoh and giving her not just a starring role, but this kind of role that allows her both just amazing levels of depth as mm-hmm. well as like letting her be funny. Like she's talked about how excited she was to be funny and it made her scared because she wasn't sure she could be. And, <laughs> and she is very funny in it. Um, of course she also does her, her uh, martial arts, which she's a pro uh, she's a genuine, a genuine master um, and so it, that, that's just so gratifying to see, you know, there's a clip going around online of, of one of her interviews where she literally starts crying about, about how, you know, when she read the part and spoke to Daniels and, and what this role meant for her. And so, and it's palpable in the film, you feel it in the movie that these actors just believe in what they're making. Yeah. And, and then you've got Quan who represents a level of like, I mean, you want to talk about regrets and alternate universes, right. like yeah, right. You think back to those movies that he was in, and and you know there have always been criticisms of of some of the depictions in in those films, um, you know, and in, in in many ways, rightly so. But that's not what stopped. Uh, it, 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 that's not what stopped his career because his performances in those movies are magnetic. Oh yeah, right? yeah. He's uh, doing and, and what, he's doing what he's there to do. It's you know what he was there to do is is you know perhaps in, in not Temple perhaps Doom, sh- yeah uh, it is a short circuit, yeah uh, it is a flaw yeah it is a flawed assignment but he, I don't blame him for carrying out the assignment yeah and 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 he's excellent in in those as a kid but you know the problem is that they're kid performances so it's a little bit difficult to judge what that means um, what it would mean to deliver in this movie the moment he appears. You're just like, okay, wait a second. Where has this guy been? Because he's so instantly charming and funny. He brings the same energy that he had as a kid, which is unbelievable because he's quite a bit older now. And so you're like, how is he doing this? And then there's these moments where the the level of pathos is just, just wafting off of him. And you're like, I didn't know where again where has this guy been there's a whole section in the movie a whole kind of uh sequence that they keep going back to that's basically done like a Wong Kar Wai film yeah I was gonna say I was gonna say every time they go back to in the mood for love uh, I'm like 
But I'm like, buddy, you should have been doing this well, for the, at least the, like for the last 20 years because you are incredible. I'm like, you were made to do this. You look so bloody cool in that so alley. You, you're, so so, you're so warm. You are so sexy. What? Like, how have you been you know, sitting what? on the bench this whole time? It's so it's so amazing because look. Michelle Yeoh in the movie is dressed down for sure. You know what I mean? Like for and, most of it, she gets they, they play her up once in a while. No, no, no of course. I just mean the, for most the, the, main, the main, the main character, the main yeah. Evelyn, right? Yeah, so, yeah. Evelyn so, Prime. Yeah. So she's like dressed down, but the thing is, we know Michelle <laughs> Yeoh. Yeah. Like we know what she can look like on screen, and so right. we're just like, you know, this is not the limit of it. In 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 uh, in Quan's case, we wouldn't have known, and so you see him show up. And he looks older and whatever, but he still kind of looks goofy and he's still, you know, and you're like, okay, great. And then you see him in those sequences, which I suspect, I, I don't know if they were like that in the script. Maybe they were. I don't know what the casting, when the casting happened. It's notable that he worked with Wong Kar Wai at one point uh, behind the scenes on, on 2046. Okay. Um, and so apparently was telling them stories on the set of <laughs> working with Wong Kar Wai. And, uh, and you know he's had a career behind the scenes in movies, right. yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And and uh, but to see him in that sequence and see him in that in that amazing looking suit, and just like you're just like, what the hell? This is a guy who could have been a leading man. Yeah, I mean he still can be, but what yeah, I mean yeah. is like, what if I mean he, is like you, you're like that's that's two decades at least, maybe three of like this guy not having gotten the kinds of roles that he could have gotten and that he clearly deserved to get. And, you know, that's in some ways it's depressing, a depressing comment on where our culture has been at the same time. I'm, it's so amazing to have him back. It's so like wonderful. Well, it's so I, emblematic of this movie. Right, like, like, like that. That is the thing. Is like this movie is very much a what could have been, and you look at him, you look at Quan in these moments, and you're like, it is a tragedy that that it, it's not. You know what? No, it's not. I'm sure he's very happy. I'm sure he's done lots of things. I'm sure he's done all kinds of. I'm sure he loves doing like conventions and that kind mm -hmm. of thing. And he's probably very comfortable in life. But at the same time, like you see these glimmers of what mm -hmm. could have been, and it's like like we're being greedy. You know that that's what we want. We are the person. But he can who do is, that now. We're the person who's wondering what if we went to school one, or what if we didn't date that boy. That that's what we're doing now with Quan. Yeah, but you he, know, but he can, but but, the, but again, and he still can. Yeah, that's but that's the thing that's also encapsulated the movie, and that's what I was getting at earlier. Right, where it's like, right. okay, so there's all these things that you haven't been, but you can still be something. You can yeah. still do something. You can still be happy in some way, or in his case, like be a goddamn movie star. You know what I mean? <laughs> like. It's it, it's gratifying, and then and then the rest of the cast. I mean, like, well, know, I was gonna say, and then in the background of all of this, we have Jamie Lee Curtis. Jamie Lee Curtis, who has like, never she has never phoned it in in her life, and she certainly is not starting here, looking very frumpy, which takes yeah. some doing with Jamie Lee Curtis as yeah. this IRS agent turned operative turns. <laughs> you know grief consortium turned you At know one point romantic partner to yeah Evelyn. yeah i'm like 
with, with hot dog fingers. With hot dog fingers, which I mean, that's the thing. That should be that should be absurd. That should be like being John Malkovich level absurd. And yet, well, well, it is. And but it, but yet, like the movie, it plays it. But, it plays it, it so straight. It, it's right. a, it is absurd. It is like you know, it is head shakingly weird. But at the same time, Ryan, the movie's though, like you know. I have to say, like, let's be real. Being John Malkovich is a very good comparison point because there is also a completely zany movie that has um, some real emotional depth to it and real intellectual depth to it, mm-hmm. despite all the zaniness, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and I'm certain that 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 movie and that Kaufman were were influences on this the same oh, yeah. way that obviously when you watch it, like the, the Matrix is a clear influence on it, all kinds of anime as an influence uh, uh uh kung fu movies it was so i have to tell you it was so gratifying to me i've always loved kung fu movies but i love them in the way that like you know they would appear on tv and so i'd watch them every now and then uh in the last uh kind of couple of years during the pandemic i went through like a real buy like blu-ray buying spree of all these especially in the last few years a lot of Hong Kong movies that were previously unavailable in good quality. Well, cause what else are you doing with your money? You're, you're at home and you can't do anything. Totally. And yeah. what better way to spend your money than on yeah. like a bunch of Jackie Chan movies and other Hong Kong films. And it's like, you see those movies and just the boundless creativity and, and part of it's wrapped up, you know, this is like a slight jag, but, but it relates to, to this movie in a way part of what's fascinating about a lot of those movies is that, you know, they would have kind of general scripts and general ideas, but often they were basically made up as they were, as they went along. They were just in- an excuse to get the band back together, right? Like they, they were, they were the old version of Ocean's 11 where it was just an excuse to get the Rat Pack into Vegas and make a movie. Well, yeah, but it's not just that. It's that they were making movies at such a, at such a clip in the eighties yeah. and nineties that was like, that was like they literally didn't have t- have time, including all of those famous, you know, Hong Kong, you know, the Jackie Chan fight sequences and stuff. Those were choreographed on the day. <laughs> and, sure, why not? And, and what's amazing is when you think when when it's explained. I I just learned this recent. I didn't know that. And I learned it recently on one of those Blu-rays and in the special features where what they would do is they would get to the set. They had an environment. They had a bunch of ideas of things they wanted to do. And then they would basically figure out, okay, let's place the camera here and start with this sequence of moves that we can shoot. And then you'll end up here, which means we can put the camera here and uh, there'll be like a few more. What makes sense to do? Okay, great. Oh, and what if we did this here? And then you could do it. And that's how they did those movies, right? It's kind of how and, they're doing this movie, right? Well, but, yes. but but in a more controlled setting. In in this case, more controlled setting, and they have the advantage of sort of visual effects and things like that, that, that you know, th- they can both do things that they couldn't do before, but also, uh, you know, let's say do things safer than they used to do them. Um, there's no <laughs> blooper reel here of like, you know, uh, Michelle Yeoh, like bashing her face and like Jackie Chan used to. But right. The, the um the idea of going small and this is you know it's big for an indie movie but it's it's 25 million dollar movie and the the things that they're able to do in this movie by being small but being resourceful you know this movie to my mind had as much expansiveness even though it's actually when you think about it it's basically set in two places as like in real in real setting terms yeah yeah like 
laundromat and then this IRS office that they make a lot of use of. And then there's these other places that they- Where they probably shot for like a day. Totally. You know, like that, that temple that we keep coming back to, that was probably a day's worth of shooting. The, the alley, the, the, the Wong Kar Wai alley, probably a day. The bamboo forest, a day. All these things. Yeah. They shot there. They're like, okay. Like maybe, maybe not even a day. Yeah. And, and and some of them. Very economical filmmaking. I love it. Some of them you imagine were shot even literally in that IRS building or whatever, like whatever that building was. The amazing thing about it, it's so expensive. It has amazing, amazing action sequences. Uh, It has amazing visual ideas and visual effects and things like that visual effects done by seven people hmm. seven people wow that's what daniel kwan was revealed on 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 twitter uh last week i think and and not just seven people you're not talking about like seven like of the like you know they got they got like weta to loan out their top seven people it's literally seven people who half of them learned what they were doing as they were doing it on wow. youtube like through youtube videos that's incredible so, and 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 like you know not to like bash marvel and funny enough like the russo brothers are are producers on this film i'm sorry it looks better than just about any Marvel movie I've ever seen in terms of the integration of the world and the effects and and the ideas behind those effects, right? Like, it's not that literally the CGI is better. It's no, that, it's that, I know. It's yeah, just, but here's 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 is so, is so strong, and you see the the resourcefulness as part of that. You feel it in the movie. Yeah, you I know? mean, but here's here's the thing. I like I I, you know, like we're, we're we're having this discussion. Part of me, part of me thought for a split second there of maybe I'll excise this out, but part of me actually wants to have this moment on this show. Is yeah, listen, I'm I'm as big a Marvel fan as it gets. Love them. Go see them every every you know whatever two three months that they come out. What I love about a movie like this is I would much rather build this movie up than use it as a reason to smack Marvel around because Marvel doesn't need our conversation. It's going to make its money no matter what. I would rather, you know, stoke this movie up and talk about this in ways that people aren't going to come to it than talk about like, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong about that. Like, look, I mean, even as critics kind of bashed it, I, I liked Spider-Man no way home and I'm like not a Marvel fan. Okay. But like what I, I what I think is important, and I think it's important to mention Marvel here and other big blockbusters like the Marvel films. There's certain blockbusters that are not like the Marvel films, but you know, the the movies that are like the Marvel films, the problems that they have in this specific respect have to do with the nature of making films that that where the making of them is a what amounts to a purely commercial endeavor, regardless of what the artists are doing, right? Uh, you know, there, there's a video, quite eye-opening video uh, that you can look up on YouTube with a visual effects guy on Spider-Man No Way Home talking about how they did the visual effects for this one particular sequence and a couple others. And, you know, a lot of it is amazing in terms of like the technology that's employed and, and clearly these people are dedicated to their craft and they're doing amazing, amazing work in, in many respects. Although I think in many cases it doesn't end up looking great, but that's a different issue. The thing that struck me watching that that visual effects breakdown is you see the way that they shoot a sequence that clearly is dictated by the fact that Marvel operates top down from a from a corporate angle. So rather than shooting a sequence where you're coming to the set and really getting creative and really figuring out 
like those old Hong Kong movies. Okay, how can we do this and look, make it just look as great as it can look? You know, instead of doing that, they shoot a sequence where everything is flatly lit, where you have a whole bunch of stuff, uh, where you can shoot from any angle, and then later you can kind of put it all together and make it work to the point where literally every single shot in the movie ends up having some kind of digital adjustment because that's how it works. Now, again, that's not an issue of bashing the movie, but I think it's interesting to look at a movie like this then in contrast that shows what you can do. And this is just with $25 million. Imagine if you approached with the same mindset that this movie did a movie with $200 $200 million at their, dis- like, imagine the Daniels making a movie for $200 million. Oh, I, I, I know. I like, I, I get it. And the, the thing is that you know. it's just, it's one of those things where I, I feel like we've gotten so consumed with how these things are made and how that feels inherently bad that it reminds me of the year that um, Beck won the Grammy for best for album of the year. And he won yeah, over Beyonce. Cool. Nice, and- nice one. I like I yeah. love your music. Uh, your music. Uh, yeah, and I mean, and what and what one of the one of the arguments was was look, everybody, all of the songs on Beck's record were written by one guy with one guitar, and he produced it with one other guy. And look at that, Beyonce's record took twenty five songwriters and producers. And I'm like, mm. you know what? At the end of the day, it's fucking Beyonce. Shut up, sit down. It's a masterpiece too. There, there is room well, for both. Okay. Let let us do get back to everything everywhere. That's where I look at a movie like Everything Everywhere and I say, there's an opportunity here. I am right now in this context bashing Marvel. When I recommended it to my friends who are the types of friends who don't listen to a podcast like this, Mm. I wasn't bashing Marvel. What I was saying was, hey, this is a movie that like feels a lot like it has the things that Marvel movies have, but it also has this and this and this and this, right? And what was impressive was because I could have that hook because it has things like multiple universes and Kung Fu fights and stuff like that. Though I was able to get those friends excited about this movie. I was able to say like, there's a whole thing in the movie with like a reference to Ratatouille, but it's a raccoon. And they were like, what? And, and, and they want to go see the movie. And I'm like, okay, there's a bridge. This is a movie that like in an ideal universe, you know, not that it's going to solve all of cinema's problems, but it's the kind of starting point where you can get people to say, like, I know you want to see Doctor Strange that's coming out in a month or whenever it's coming out. Is it this month? I don't even know. It's a few weeks. Um, but, but, uh, time is a flat circle these days. Uh, four weeks, can, I think. Three weeks. They can, go, they can go see that. It'll be great. Sam Raimi, excellent. But also go see this. Yeah. Take the time out of your day if you're feeling okay, if you feel okay, okay to risk it for Doctor Strange, risk it for, for this, this movie. I, I do agree with you on that. And I, 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 that's so important to me. It's so important to me because yeah. I, I see the state, I see the state of cinema as somebody who watches a lot of movies. I'm drowning in stuff to watch. I'm drowning in it. In on that level, I'm not actually worried about movies, but where I worry is in the audience connection to it. I worry about the fact that increasingly I'm watching movies that feel like movies that used to be the types that other people would watch. And now I talk to them about, to, to my friends about them and they, a haven't seen them 
and B, their eyes glaze over the moment that they understand that it's not some big blockbuster. And 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 it's depressing. It I don't want to be alone in the world. I want to no. be like Evelyn, making connections to everyone. Yeah, I I, I do hear yeah. you. I but I I think it's 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 a larger conversation than it is for this show. I do you know? when it comes to this movie, the one thing I was curious about is this is this is a kitchen sink movie. This is this mm-hmm. is very much and let's throw everything at the screen. Um, I think of a movie that is not nearly as good, but was also a kitchen sink movie um, mm. like Darren Aronofsky's mother, which was again, just like just throw sure. everything, yeah. just uh-huh. cults and sex and motherhood and killing and just mm-hmm. the world pulling itself apart. Is this, was there ever a moment where you thought this is too much of a kitchen sink movie? Like what prevents it at some um, point from becoming just a mixtape of references? Okay, I think there's two questions in there. Okay. There's what there's the too much and there's also the mixtape element. Sure. I think the mixtape element um the mixtape element is solved by the fact that there are actual real emotions and feelings going on in the movie and I think that those ground the movie. And then that in itself relates to why the too muchness I think works ultimately because it has something holding it down. You do keep returning to these moments. Again, not everyone is going to take to this movie. I can tell you immediately, my mom wouldn't enjoy this movie. No, I don't think my mom's going to enjoy this movie. Even though I I, actually, I kind of think, like, if she could get over a few things, I actually think she would. Look, I think, but on its, but as it's presented, I don't think so. I think thematically, my mom, if if like some of the mother mother daughter stuff, I mean, my mom would would be a mess, you know. Uh, and who knows, maybe I would be able to drag her every now and then she'll like, she saw and enjoyed in- inception. So, you know, it's possible. Anything is possible. Right. I think this is a bit more extreme than inception, but you know, um, but I think that not every movie needs to be for everyone first off. Okay. It's okay for people to not enjoy every movie. There's people I know who don't enjoy this movie and, you know, sure. I've cut them out of my life. And, uh, <laughs> You're a but, vicious bastard. <laughs> Um, no, but seriously, like that's, it's fine. Right. You know, I was concerned that the movie would be too much. I think it's possible that at moments, maybe it was, but I think that there was a feeling in the movie, both, both in terms of the, the emotion, the emotional center that I was talking about, but I think actually there's a combination of just the impeccable kind of technical craft of the movie there's something in the way the movie is constructed at, at a at a let's say at a script and then a, and then i guess later on on an editing level that always feels like there's some kind of a sure hand right it's a difficult quality in a movie to put your finger on like it's a bit intangible but it's real and we know this in all kinds of movies where you just, there's sometimes you watch a movie and you feel like you're in the wrong hands and you're like, I don't trust this. Yeah, yeah. And in this, there was something about it right from the opening frames where I was like, I trust it. I just trust it. And so even in the moments where I think maybe it might have in theory gone too far, I was still with it. Like I didn't let it go. It reminds me of when you see comedy constructed. 
mm-hmm. you know, like not just an act, not not just a routine, but when you see like this physical comedy. No, but when when you see when you see like you know when you see like like kind of more classic comedy. This is this is. This is yeah. actually the next thing I was going to say is this film actually feels quite singular. Despite all the references and despite the fact that it's a timeline movie, this movie actually feels very, very much on its own in its own little mm-hmm. space. Mm-hmm. Um, what it reminds me of is when you see classic comedy constructed and what the comedian knows is too far. Like on the surface, it yeah. looks like they're just pratfall after pratfall after belly laugh after belly laugh but in the end there's actually a lot of science to it you know Mm -hmm. and you know that you're in good like you can tell good comedy from bad comedy because the good comedy knows where the line is and where to stop and just how far they can push you before you're gonna tune out that's this movie is this movie even though it's gonna throw the kitchen sink at you even though it's gonna throw butt plugs and hot dog fingers and you know, uh, 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 fanny packs as weapons, which by the way, uh, when he, when he went all Jackie Chan with that, like with, with a fanny like, pack. Yeah. You have like, <laughs> well played. Um, so beautiful. Yeah. That is when, you know, you are in good hands and you are in the hands of the Daniels know just how far they can push you before you're going to bend. And that I think is the, that I think is yeah. the line. I'm sure they had a lot of other ideas. I'm sure there were a lot of other timelines. I'm sure there were a lot of other movies. I'm sure there's all kinds of other things they thought about putting into this movie, but they're like, you know oh, what? I'm sure. You I'm know, sure. let's keep it to this, 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 this. It's still an awful lot. It's and that's, time. and that is going to be, that is going to work. That's the machine. I, I, I also found, um, you know, and again, like, you know, I always like addressing kind of criticisms of movies. I think one of the criticisms that I've seen from some people I didn't have this problem with the movie, but I can I can see why some people would have it. Is that there's certain jokes that feel like they get run into the ground. How many times do you see the hot dog fingers? And I can see how that would get less funny over time. No, I that say, is I just that is always funny for some people. The joke wore out. Okay, now I do. I think I will say if it wears out, it wears out, and maybe the movie doesn't work as well or whatever. But I think that part of the reason that the movie actually did work for me is exemplified by stuff like that. And even by some of that last act, like we're going to hit every single note stuff. There is a way that, that the movie, I think in an effort to both be too much, but also keep you um, sort of centered at all times in terms of like, in certain cases, literally just understanding what's happening, even when you don't, necessarily understand all the mechanics of what's happening you kind of can follow what's happening um i think that what they've done a little bit is like leaned heavy on that sort of thing to just kind of like look okay we understand like there is a version of this movie where we don't have to come back to everything five times and where we don't need to like hit every note at the end to wrap everything up and there's certain audiences that will get it but if we do put this in there, maybe it makes for a slightly elongated movie. Make, maybe some jokes will feel like they're being hit one too many times if you didn't like them as much the first time or whatever. But the mechanics of the movie, it'll hold together. It works and, better as a machine that way. Yeah. And, and again, like, you know, there's an argument to be made. Well, uh, you can, you could, you know, 
stand to risk it, right? You could risk it more. But I think the movie is already risking so much that yeah. I don't begrudge I don't begrudge the filmmakers here saying like, okay, look, there's only so far we're willing to go. Right. We can go this far in these directions, but actually we will keep things relatively grounded in other ways, even potentially to the detriment, right? But but it's to the detriment, in my opinion, to the detriment in the in the way in which you know, this is a movie that has so many parts. It mm-hmm. has so many parts. And yet it exists as as more than the sum of its parts somehow. Yeah. Which which that's an impressive feat. Well that's an impressive I, that, I mean, I think that is your answer to how it becomes more than just a kitchen sink movie and how mm-hmm. it wasn't a mixtape of references is mm-hmm. it's all in the name of something bigger. You know, it's not, it's not just to see what they can get away with. It's not just to see, it's not just to see which one person in the back of the audience, they can make smile by some obscure reference to a Sonny Chiba movie. You know, it's like, we just, we, we are here for the catharsis. We are here for the love. We are here for that moment of, of being seen that is what we're here for. Yeah, we're going to do some kooky stuff along the way, but it's all in service our, of that, of our, the center our, our, of the bagel. It, it, when you're looking at filmmakers um, pushing things, mm-hmm. you know, as as all of these filmmakers have done, and and importantly, again, Wachowski's huge influence mm-hmm. on this movie. Oh, sure, huge. Uh, just like, like literally, they have talked about how when they were conceiving of this movie, it was what if our what if my mom was in the matrix, right? It's like, it's like, this was their answer to that movie. And so, and so it's interesting to me to think about like, okay, what's an example of some filmmakers who are genuinely just like some of the most creative filmmakers around who take the kinds of risks, um, that, that the Wachowskis do and how those risks work and how they pay off. And, and sometimes they do, and sometimes they don't. And when they do, it's spectacular. And sometimes they don't. And sometimes it's in the same movie. Yeah. And what's amazing to me in this, in, in Everything Everywhere, is that, is that the Daniels have, have somehow, in my opinion, not quite matching The Matrix. Similarly to The Matrix, they've done a bunch of stuff. Like I, I think back to like when Will Smith... Uh, you know, our dearly departed Academy member, Will Smith, uh, uh, you know, told the story of why he passed on, on starring in the matrix. And he said that it was because he met with the Wachowskis and they were like giving him this speech about like, Oh, and then you're going to do this. And then the camera's going to do this. And, and, and he was kind of like, I mean, you know, he was, he was being charming about it in retrospect, but clearly what he was saying was, I don't understand what you're talking about and I don't trust that you can necessarily deliver. Now he was wrong. Right. right? And he, he admits that he was wrong, but this strikes me as a similar case where like, I imagine like the actors who signed up must have spoken to him and they've talked about this. They're uh, spoken to the Daniels and, and they've taught Michelle. Yo has talked about this, that, that she spoke to them and they described it's like you read the script you're like i don't understand what what's going on here and then you talk to them and they describe it and you just feel like okay i'm putting i'm putting myself in your hands and they were right to trust them they were right to trust these two these two young directors who who like like i'm sorry but this movie could have gone 
this movie could have been a disaster. Well, no, this movie could have gone horribly wrong. But I mean, it that's been, it's this little ecosystem of trust, like from from the top down, like from A twenty four to the Daniels to the actors, and everyone. this little you know this little ecosystem of trust that goes all the way around. All the crew. Um, yeah, yeah, everybody. I mean, I mean, think about the Daniels hiring seven people to do the visual effects for this very visual effects heavy movie. Yeah, um, and saying that we're not going to burn you all out. We're not going to burn you all out. We're going to let you get wild and creative and do things with the visual effects that, that because they're going to be cheap, we're going to find other ways to make them unique and charming. And you, and you think about that and you go like, that's a lot of trust that they placed in those mm-hmm. seven guys. Uh, I think they were all men. I don't know that they were all men, but I have a feeling they were all men. <laughs> but the point—it's not the a bad point bet. Is, <laughs> but, the, but the but the point is, like like that to me. I mean, you want to you want to if you want to ask what like cinema is to me, it's a bunch of people who came together and all trusted each other to hold, to to be able to do something and to see if they could pull it off, and then they put it on the screen and they trusted the audience to come in and watch it. And the audience trusted that, like, okay, these guys might be able to deliver something, and I'm going to suspend my disbelief and go along with it. And, like, you know, not everyone is going to be rewarded for that trust. People are going to have different uh, reactions. But, like, it's I – can't, I can't express to you enough, you know, I saw the movie at – the TIFF uh, secret screening on a Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Okay, that's pretty early to see a movie like this. And and yet, and, and I had my qualms. I had seen their previous movie, Swiss Army Man, and I liked it, but it it and but as much as I liked it, I was like, I don't know if these guys have it. Like they they kind of pulled it off there, but like I don't know. There might be a limit to this kind of thing. So I wasn't totally trusting. Soraya, who I was seeing it with, was like actively not trusting uh, in a a certain way, but she still gave herself over. And when the movie was finished, like whatever, two hours and 20 minutes later or whatever it was, we felt so invigorated. And and both of us were were just, and, you know, sorry to have gone off on the long Marvel jag, but it's like both of us felt this feeling that we hadn't felt in quite a while, even though we'd seen many movies that we really loved. And in some cases that I loved more than this movie, but there was something about this movie that made me feel like, right. Movies. You know, I was like Vin Diesel, like the movies, you know, it's like, this is, this is what can happen when everyone in the process from the people who make it to the people who watch it, uh, and everyone in between have place a kind of trust in something in in the power of a of a of a movie of all yeah. things of well, a, a movie like what is it? It's just a thing that you well, you just go and watch it. Like who cares? To move you, to excite you, to make you laugh, to to you know be thrilling. All of those things to get you thinking about things in a real way. To to. To, I mean, we've barely talked about the representational aspects of the movie, and we're probably not the people specifically to talk about it. Although, you know, I don't know if you're the child of immigrants, but I am, and there's things about it that connected with me on that level. Just all the connection points that a movie can have, mm-hmm. this one has. Yeah. It and literally, it de- I mean, and it does it. I mean, I think, you know, to put a point on it, I think what's 
what is wonderful about that trust and what is wonderful about this movie is that it does it all so elegantly. Like it's so this it's it's it, this movie should be an absolutely complicated crazy ask and yet it is so straightforward and simple. You know, yeah. even right down right down to the the universe is a bagel and I'm about to destroy it. What I will say is what this reminds me of is way back when I first started writing when I was still working in an office, there was somebody in the mm. office who knew I love films and would ask me like, what should I watch? And they'd hand, and they'd do everything. Like they would hand me their cable guide. They would like point me towards the streaming thing, you know, or occasionally mm. it was, I'm going to be going to this theater on this night. Here's what's playing. What should I watch? And mm. I do remember specifically that there was one time and I was like, I said, do you trust me? This is going to be <laughs> really weird, but I mm. think like, I think you'll, you'll find it rewarding. And I sent this woman to see Synecdoche, New York. She she didn't love it. She didn't hate it. I know, but she appreciated that experience and that story and how singular it was. This is very much like that. You know, if somebody, they, they may not know what they're getting into and they may balk. Thank you. Beautiful story. And they may balk. And like, that was the thing. Like she, like I, I kept, I kept getting her trust out of it. I was like, it's going to be weird, but it's not going to be a waste of your time. You know, yeah. like I really think that this is a, a valuable use of your time. This is yeah. this movie absolutely is a valuable use of everybody's time. And I think as many people should see it as possible. Um, everybody should see it everywhere. All at once. All- we end the matinee cast with a souvenir, something tangible or intangible. If you could take away from this movie and keep, you would. Corey, it's had, there is so much that one could take away from this movie and keep. What would you keep from everything, everywhere, all at once? I mean... Oh, I, you know, it's funny. I should have remembered that you were going to ask me this. Uh, what are you new? I, well, yeah. Uh, I think, you know, I think I would keep Rakakui because <laughs> that, that raccoon, by the way, uh, th- there's just an extra little bit. I was watching the movie and I hear the raccoon's voice and I'm going, wow, that's a really great Randy Newman imitation. And then it's I discovered it was actually Randy Newman. That's fantastic. All right, Rakakuni. I want to I want to go to the alley where they smoke and talk and wear fashionable clothes in the rain. Uh, I don't mm-hmm. smoke, uh, but I would uh, because mm-hmm. they just make it look so cool and so sexy. And mm-hmm. I, I don't even need to talk. I'll just stand there and smoke and listen because uh, it yep. looks so awesome. We rate here on the matinee cast on a scale of one to four stars. Corey Tad, everything, everywhere, all at once. I mean, look, you know, at the end of the day, it's a four-star movie. Of course, That's what it's a four-star it's movie. This is <laughs> this is a, a wonderful movie. movie. This is, you know, it's it's not a perfect movie, but I don't care yeah. because the experience movie. is just top tier, and it's what yeah. I want. That is episode two hundred eighty-two of the Matinee Cast. I'm so thankful that Corey Tad came by. Uh, come on back on Monday, April twenty-fifth, for episode two eighty-three. Once again, I have no idea what we're talking about because hey, springtime and COVID. Um, Corey Tad, <laughs> where where can people find you? Uh, I mean, to be honest, you can just go to my website at uh, coreyatad.com. Um, oh. I generally, although I need to update it, but like you know, I've written for a bunch of places. I, I most recently. I did an interview with um, director Nadav Lapid about his new movie, Ahed's Knee, hmm. which um, is, a, is a great movie in my opinion. And um, I just think he's a really interesting guy with interesting things to say. So I, I, I thought that it was an interesting interview. So there will be if a you link. go to that site, I'll have it updated on that on my website. Yeah, you can I'll, get uh, I'll put a link in the show notes. And if people want to follow yeah. you on Twitter, where can they find you? Uh, 
Generally, you can follow me at Coryatad, C-O-R-E-Y-A-T-A-D. I am currently, once again, on the Twitter break because oh. I got very annoyed with somebody's extremely ironically detached cynical reaction to descriptions of everything everywhere all at once that just made me like, this place is toxic. Yeah. I'm going to take a break. Maybe I'll so, be back. I got to tell you, my, the fact that my yeah. new job has me very much away from Twitter during working hours, it's working out great. My site is thematinee.ca where you can find back episodes of the show. You can also find them in the old familiar places, Google, Spotify, Pocket Cast, Stitcher Radio, Blueberry and Apple. Apparently I'm on Amazon. Uh, News to me too. Uh, You can also find me on uh, TuneIn, Radio Public, CastBox and Podchaser. Everything gives you ways to subscribe for free and get alerts when new episodes drop. Feedback on everything, everywhere, all at once can be left in the comment section of the site. You can email ryan at thematinee.ca. On Twitter, I am matinee underscore CA, and there's always Facebook, facebook.com slash darkmatinee. Any final thoughts, Mr. Atad, now that you've given me a lot of work to to get to in editing? No, I mean, just uh, get to it. (laughs) Thanks. I'll get right on that. For Corey, I'm Ryan. We'll see you at the matinee.